Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon about a psalm. It will play in just a minute. Before it does, I want to let you know that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions about something in one of our sermons, maybe you want to talk more about how it impacted you, or perhaps you just need prayer, you can simply visit creekside.me and you'll find all of the links you need to reach out to us. In fact, if you are someone who consistently listens to our sermons, but we've never connected, I'd love for you to go to creekside.me right now and just contact us to say, hi, I listened to your sermons. We'd love to be able to say hi back. Again, thanks for listening to this sermon. I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Hey everybody, how are y'all doing? It's good good to be back with you guys. Uh, Chad asked me, oh goodness, it's been been a couple months now. to do my favorite psalm. But the problem is, I love so many different psalms. So I think what I did was, I just chose the psalm that I was kind of on at that time. So then fast forward to Daniel and I talking this week, and I said, Daniel, I have no clue what psalm I'm doing this week, and and you got to let me know. But I ended up finding... I have like three different email accounts, so I had to like search, some, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, so I had to search all three email accounts, and I finally found Psalm 112, read through Psalm 112 again, I was like, man, I love this thing, no wonder why I picked this psalm. So here we go, Psalm 112, uh, very excited about this psalm, what we're going to see, we're going to see three different things about the righteous, right, For the first thing, I'm just going to kind of give you the heads up, so you can kind of spot it with me, we're going to see that the, the, the righteous have a legacy, the righteous have a legacy. Uh, the second thing we're going to see is the, the, the righteous have just a stout heart. And then what we're going to see is the righteous have action. And then the very last verse, you're going to see that the wicked hate the righteous. But, but we'll, uh, that, that'll, be, that'll be towards the very end. So here we go. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through it all, and then we're going to kind of pick it apart. Sound good? Here we go. Psalm chapter 12, or 1, Psalm 112, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in His house, and His righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desires of the wicked will perish. So Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 are actually an acronym. If you had the Hebrew, you would see that they're actually an acronym with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's not unusual. Psalm 119 is the same way. If you were to flip to Psalm 119, you'd see that Psalm 119 is in sections. 
And those sections are all starting with the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so this is truly poetry in, in the acronym form of the Hebrew. But let's start with, we'll start with chat, uh, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandment. And then he goes on to say, his offspring will be mighty in the land. Now remember, I'm, I'm going to jog your memory if, you, if you've been in church, if you know the Old Testament, then the, the Old Testament Jew, the, the pre-Messiah Jew, they have uh, the thinking of obedience, then the line, blessing, then the line, land. Okay? Because God tells them, God, God ties their obedience to the land. As long as you obey me, you will be in the land. It will be good for you. I will send rain. You will be prosperous. But you disobey, I will take you out of the land. Thus, the captivity of first Israel and then Judah. And that's why today it's still that, that mindset of, of land. It's very land-centered. And, and we see that even today, carrying on even today. And so when, whenever the, the writer of Psalm 112 Whenever he says the offspring will be mighty in the land, for the hearer of, of this in the, the original hearer, they would make complete sense. My child is still going to be here. And my child's not only just going to be here, my child's going to be prosperous here because I'm obedient. And so the, this idea of legacy, if you were a Jew during this time, your legacy would be your child being in the land. Your child still in the promised land. God gave us the promised land. Through my lifetime, I was obedient. I was a godly man. And as a result, my child and my grandchildren are still in the promised land. And so when he says, your offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and the righteousness endures forever. So that's, that's, that, that's that Jew of, of that day saying, my legacy is tied directly to the land. But, but we're, not, we're not Old Testament believers. We're New Testament believers. And so for us, our legacy is not tied to land. It's tied to a person. It's tied to Jesus Christ. And so you see in the book of Hebrews, where, where the author of the book of Hebrews kind of connects where Jesus is greater than Moses, Jesus is greater than Melchizedek, Jesus is your high priest, Jesus is, and he, he kind of walks through all of that. Our legacy is found in Christ. And so for us, our, our legacy is, is, I really see it as, as two things. Number one, I see our legacy as passing that baton. It's so important for us to pass that baton to the next generation, just like what Daniel was talking about. Passing that baton to that next generation. The, the second part of our legacy is a legacy that we will never see on this side of our life, and it's that eternal legacy. It's that eternal legacy. It's, it's having and growing a church that reaches out beyond our walls, that reaches into our cities. And that is the salt and the light 
that reaches into the darkness, that proclaims the gospel, as Jesus says, that, that makes disciples. And now this, this, this shift between the Old Testament and, and New Testament legacy, the, the disciples didn't even get that until the ascension of Jesus. Because we see in Acts chapter 1, the question the disciples ask, Jesus has been crucified, He's been resurrected, He's standing there, Acts chapter 1. The question that the disciples ask is, now are you going to restore Israel? They're, they're, they're asking an old covenant question about legacy. Now are you going to restore the nation of Israel? And Jesus answered in a new covenant legacy way. And He said, you go make disciples. You go change the world. And that's that, that, uh, that great commission passage of, of Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8. You go into all the world. So let's, let's keep going. Verse 4. Verse 4 is, is when we get some good news and bad news. But the beauty of Scripture is we get good news and bad news. So this is what verse 4 through verse 8 says. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. For He is gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. Do, do, do you see, do you see where, where the writer's taking us? There's darkness. There's bad news. There's something that's trying to move the righteous. See, here's the, here's the bad news that we see in Scripture, which is, which is what you and I know, is that we're going to go through dark nights. We're going to go through dark times. That we live in a world that's going to constantly try to, to move us into fearful living, that's going to constantly try to move us into fearful thinking. And we've gotten really good every two years about election year. To scare ourselves into voting one way or another. Which, whichever way you want to vote. Who, who cares? If you vote for this person, the world's going to end. If you vote for this person, the world's going to end. We, we've done a really good job. And now where we are as believers in Christ is the righteous person says, I'm not going to be moved. The dark night is, is coming, but I'm not going to be moved. Lights coming. So, 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 so in, light of, in light of that darkness, in light of the bad news, look at the reaction as, as I read this again. Look at the reaction that the righteous, that you and I are supposed to have in light of the bad news, in light of the, the bad diagnosis, in light of not getting the promotion or losing the job or tragedy striking. L listen, listen to this. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. It's not just a cliche to say the light comes after the, the darkest part of the, the, the night. It's, we go through dark times, but we know as believers that there's light at the end of that. Verse 6, the righteous will never be moved. You, you get that picture right there of you 
standing and the flood of bad news, whatever the bad news would be, the flood of bad news trying to push you away and you standing. Not because of your strength, but because of Christ. So so I can stand not on my own strength, not on my own power, but I can stand on the strength and power of Christ. Verse 7, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Man, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity when, when we live in a world of the next, I mean, fill in the blank. Just turn on the news. Flip on CNN or Fox News or whatever your, your media of choice is. There's going to be bad news. Guess what's coming? The, the recession's coming. The inflation's getting worse. The, uh, oh, we got a new strand of this. We got another strand of it. Take your pick. But we as believers... This, this is an opportunity for us. I used to work with a guy, and, and this was his attitude. We were talking, this was years ago, and we were talking about some bad news that kind of came down the pipe nationally. And how was the church going to react to it? And I remember him sitting there. His name is Reggie. He's the, uh, the chaplain for the Florida State football team. And he... I remember Reggie sitting there and he was just thinking, and he said this out loud. He said, you know, I'm okay with that. I said, Reggie, why, why are you okay with that? And he said, it gives us a chance to stand out more. We'll let those around us panic. But we're, as believers in Christ, it gives us a chance to stand out, to be different. That we don't have to be the, 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 the I, 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 in my mind, I get, I get the, the chickens that just run everywhere. My, my wife and I love going to Fur Point Farms during, during a, a Halloween season or during the, the harvest season and, and all, the, all the farm animals. And, you know, you walk amongst the chickens and they, and they just scurry everywhere. They just scurry everywhere. And it's, it's, it's like bad news hits, and we're the chickens, and we just scurry away from it. And yet, look at what verse 7 says. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is steady. He will not be afraid. Man, this this is so good to me. This is so good to me. So this week, uh, a a good family friend had awful news hit hit their house. Terrible. They 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 lost a child, and and I went over there on Thursday, not as not as Pastor Rusty. I went over there as as friend, just to. Honestly, just to cry with them. And so, so I, I get there, and the mother-in-law comes over, and, and she 
she asks me to pray. And in those moments, I've got nothing to pray. I, I, I got nothing. The sadness was, was and is unbearable. And so my prayer was just the character and nature of God. That's what my prayer was. It was who Jesus is. It was what the Holy Spirit does for us. Jesus, you are our intercessor. You are our advocate. You say you are with us till the end. Holy Spirit, you say that when we don't know what to pray, you pray for us. And so when, when, I, think of, when I think of verse 7 and 8, It's not by our own strength that we are steady. It's by His strength. It's not because of anything we are, anything we do. It's because of who He is and what He does that we can look at verse 7, we can look at verse 8, and we can say, I'll take that. I know we, we don't promote the name it and claim it theology. But when you start talking about the promises of God, man, name it and claim it. God, make my heart steady. God, I am fearful. Make me not afraid. As in accordance to, to verse, verse 8. Pray these as a, as a prayer of confession. God, I'm afraid and I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm fearful and I'm not supposed to be fearful. I'm not steady, but I'm supposed to be steady. Lord, make me steady in You. Make me fearless in You. And then what you see is the actions of the righteous. The actions of the righteous. It starts in verse 4. I'm going to change that word he, I'm going to change it to you. If you're a believer in Christ, this needs to be describing you and, you and me. You are gracious, merciful, and righteous. You, verse 5, you deal generously, you conduct affairs with justice, you lend. Verse 9, you distribute freely. You have given to the poor. Your righteousness will endure forever. Your horn is exalted in honor. So what characteristics should we as believers in Christ have? We should be gracious to one another. We should be merciful to one another. It, that, that's easier said than done, right? I, I'm very gracious and I'm very merciful on good days. But when I'm having a bad day, right? And then just, the rest of that is just generous. How's our generosity? How's our generosity? 
And, and, and I love how if you take all that generosity and generous and you tie it back into verse 3, see, oftentimes we, we, we not we, me. I'm going to say me. I don't know you. I'm going to accuse myself. I'm not accusing you guys are good people. I'm not. Oftentimes my generosity is blocked by the fact that I want to accumulate wealth. Because I want a new boat. Or, actually, my son and I were talking about this. I want a 1950 GMC. There's one for sale in Sherwood. My wife told me the other day that she'd be very upset if I came home with it. I showed her a picture of it. I said, babe, what do you think about this? She goes, oh, I like that. I said, so what would you say if I came home with it? She goes, I would be furious. I said, oh, okay. My generosity is impeded by the fact that I want to build wealth. Yet, if you look at verse 3, the righteous person, wealth and riches are in their house. See, generosity, I don't think it affects wealth in a negative way. I think it affects wealth in a positive way. The truth is, as I look back over the, the two decades since I've been out of college and, and had a you know, quote-unquote real job, every time I've chosen to be generous, I can, I can truly say I've never looked back and regretted it. I've never regretted generosity. Now, I've had some buyer's remorse with some things, with some things I bought. But every time, every time I've been generous, it's brought me joy. My wealth, it does this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And so if, if I, if I want to, if, if, if my life's aim is to build wealth, I've had a terrible year this year, Right? If my life's aim is to build wealth, between the stock market going down, inflation going up, I've had a terrible year. But if my life's aim is to be righteous, then my generosity doesn't change whatsoever. It doesn't change whatsoever. Now here's, here's again the good news and bad news that we see in the last verse of this chapter. It's verse 10 about the wicked. The wicked man sees it. What is it? He sees your life. He sees the fact that, that, that you're not concerned with wealth. You're concerned with generosity. He sees the fact that you're merciful. That you're gracious. He sees the fact that despite how much bad news He wants to throw your way, you are steady. You are firm. Your life is built on something different that He doesn't understand. And what does that drive Him to? He sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desires of the wicked will perish. So here's the good news and bad news of this. The good news and bad news of this is that we truly have those who will see our lives and will not like us because of it. And when we seek to be different, Different is what we make ourselves. And there are those who will not like that. And so, verse 10, there will be, there will be people in your lives that will be a 
prophecy fulfilled of verse 10. They're going to see your life. They're going to see your life in accordance to these other nine verses. And it's going to upset them. They're not even going to know why it upsets them, but it's going to upset them. But then there are going to be people that see your life from verses 1 through 9. And they're going to say, I want some of that. I don't even know what that is. But how you're reacting and how I'm reacting to the same situation is so vastly different. I want what you have. And that's when you say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the rock that my life is built on. Not the shifting sand. Let me tell you about why I can be steady and fearless in bad news. Let me tell you about my intercessor, my advocate, my high priest. Let me tell you about the one who prays when I don't know what to pray. Let me tell you about, about my father who created and designed me, and I'm just living out that design. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about the legacy, the eternal legacy I want to leave. That's our response. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we will be men and women of righteousness. Your imputed righteousness in our lives. We will not be concerned with wealth. We will be concerned with our generosity. Our graciousness. Our, our mercy. God, may we be fearless in a culture that's trying to make us fearful. Lord, may we stand up and stand out for You. In Jesus' name, Amen.